Let us give thanks. <laughs> Heavenly Father, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for all of them, grant that we may read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and practice of thy holy word, we may ever embrace the truths that thou hast prepared for those who love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I will assume that you have read the chapter before coming today as requested. Our task we make today is to continue the study of the life of Paul by a consideration of our taking, in which we should show that the early church continued in the quest to fulfill the great commission. In our study, we hope to show that the church continued to develop by a number of transitions and relationships, which were a big part of the life of Paul. How the church in Corinth was planted, verse 1 to 17, and that many souls were rapidly saved there through the preaching of the gospel, as for the first time in the book of Acts, we see that Paul was enabled to spend a good deal of time in one city and thus be able to oversee that, that the church was well established. We hope to see, to show that the gospel and the church moved from thence to Ephesus, where during a brief talk, a tremendous work was begun. Verse 18 and 19, then the preaching of the gospel piqued the interest of the inhabitants of that. How the gospel and the church moved on to Achaia. Achaia was the, a big province in that area of which Corinth was just the capital city. And this was done accordance to the precept of 2 Timothy 2.2 via 2 Timothy 2.15 and I have recently learned, it took me all this time to learn that what we really do when we come here and when we interact with each other is 2 Timothy 2. 2. That's all we're doing. That's basically what we're doing. The things that we have learned, we have to share with others and do so, so effectively that they will be also able to teach others. If you know, if we teach and the person that we teach can't teach others also, but then we have him in our teaching. So that means I'm pretty good. <laughs> and to do that, to be able to teach, you've got to prepare. And for that, you need two Timothy two. And also, I like Nehemiah 8.8, where it says that as the priest stood up on a pulpit of wood. And I like to say that as the before to stand up, because when he stood up, he had something to say. Because on the basis of Ezra 7.10, he had sought to know the word and to live it so that he could, he studied it so he could show it and so he could share it. So he can first stand up. Before we start saying anything about Acts chapter uh, 18, we must point out that the key phrase is in verse 5 and verse 28 that Jesus was Christ. In these verses, we note that both Paul and Apollos testified and proved by the scriptures, not philosophy or any other ideology, that Jesus was Christ. Note that Apollos, who came at the end with uh, some defects in his basic Christian education, was taught so well by Aquila and Priscilla that he was saying the same thing that Paul was saying. The message had not changed. This is still the message that we are to proclaim today. Jesus is Christ. 
We are still mandated to testify and prove to there by the scriptures that Jesus is Christ, the one sent to die for the sins of the world. That is what Jesus told the men on the road to Emmaus. You go out to Moses and all the scriptures and you will see it speak of me. They told the Jews that in John chapter 5. We live in a world where a lot of so-called worship is often Christless. But worship that is Christless is not worship at all. So we must be very thankful that we have Christocentric beliefs. We are a people of high Christology. We believe in the seven deeds, the virgin birth of Christ and the virtuous life and his vicarious suffering and his victorious resurrection and his vindicative ascension and his vital session, which is carrying on now, vital from the point of view that is a living session. In today's technology, we will say that he lies breathing. Life. And it is vital because it is absolutely necessary. If he was not interceding for us, we can last a minute. I don't know you, but you know what it The last. And we believe in his visible return. These are things that are not taught in churches. As people put more water in the milk than there's milk. Peter says in First Peter 2, 2, that we are supposed to give the senior serial milk. Senior serial. Senior serial means before what? It means that the milk, that he's trying to say that the milk is pure, that it is undiluted, that it is unfortified, that it is unpasteurized. You are not doing anything with it. When you study Nehemiah 3 and the repair gates, you know they did not repair the water gate. The water gate speaks what? The word of God. The word of God does not need any repairing or any changes. It is perfect. So if you know anybody who is walking down the milk, please speak to them, even if it's me. In Acts 1, 1 to 2, we read, in the first book of the office, I have with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. This important word began is very significant because it says that Jesus' work had not ceased because it is continuing. It is continuing. The gospel of Luke was a report of what Jesus began to do to teach. Luke's second book, which is the acts of the risen Lord Jesus, records what our Lord has continued to do and to teach from heaven to his body, the church, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for the accomplishment of his purposes. And we have the privilege as believers to have been selected and predestined to participate in this work. So we all have a holy uh, calling. When we study the journeys of Paul in the book of Acts, we are not just reading the travelogue of a man and certain aspects of life. We are also observing the redemptive plan of God unfolding as was outlined in the Lord's promise at his ascension when he said in Acts 1, 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Acts 2, 7, and in all Judea and Samaria, Acts 8, 12, and even to the remotest part of earth, Acts 13, 28. So through the ministry of Saul of Tarsus, God's mission to reclaim his creation from the death grip of evil will move to its next stage. 
as we relate the story of the life of Paul, as revealed in Acts 18, we see how Paul was involved in the continuance and extension of the dynamic development of the early and expanding church, and that this involved a number of important transitions and the fostering of a number of excellent personal interrelationships that demonstrated teamwork and cooperation. I like to call for who are thus engaged pillar people. You got two sets of people in the local church. You got your pillar people and you got your problem people. Those are obstructionists and you know, other things. But we want construction. Such people, people have two basic characteristics of sacrifice and servanthood. As they steadfastly seek to obey the philosophy of Christian education exposed in 2 Timothy 2.2 by following the precepts of 2 Timothy 2.15. That's all that we do. It is simple. As my good friend, uh, J.M. Ferlin McGee would say that you must make the main thing the main thing. You're supposed to forget the incidentals and stick to the essentials. This is the essential. You see that personal relationship is an important feature of the development of the church then and now. The success of every good church revolves around relationships and transitions. I gave you a list of several transitions and you should read the the handout circulated yesterday, which discussed these things in detail. There were transitions in the missionary team. The missionary team kept changing. We have mentioned that in a while. There were transitions in place. There were transitions in practices. So they introduced letters of commendation. They introduced a technique, the concept of technique, which brilliant. There was transition in policy. You're no longer talking about the kingdom at this point in time. You come back to the kingdom after the second phase of the second time. But right now, the emphasis is on the church. Do read the, 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 the outline, the, that stuff. I think I probably overdid it. <laughs> there, was, there was transition because of politics. It was politics that brought Aquila and Priscilla to college, where they met Paul. I was taught by Paul. And then they fall because they were planning to support him as he traveled. So they went to Ephesus with him and he left them there and they did a good work until he was able to come back. As Larry will tell you about next week when he goes to, uh, chapter 19. So he left these two people there to prepare for that work. He also sent a Paulus there to prepare for that work. And these two people were able to teach a Paulus. His, his basic Christian education needed some fine tuning, and they were able to do that. There was transitions because of fulfilled prophecy, and you can read that in there. And oh, this is a list of the people who joined the team that after the controversy with Barnabas. Paul started with Barnabas, and I maintain that Barnabas was right, uh, and uh, we proved that Barnabas was right. He did a good job with Mark, and at the end. In first and second Timothy, Paul is calling for Mark to come. Mark had, been, had developed to be a serious player in the ministry. And that is what some of us 
have the, the, the skill to do, to help others advance in their Christian gifts. Not all of us can do it, but some of us can do that very well. And then Timothy joined, then Luke joined, and went along with them. Then you see Quill and Priscilla joined in chapter 2, and Apollos at the end of the chapter. So you see in chapter 8, the focus is on the fact that Paul is being blessed by God with new additional teachers becoming involved in this team and the work of ministry. That's the only thing that we must see in our taking. Two solid people join the team. And sometimes we, we do have some solid people uh, joining our church. Uh, and this also tells us that we can't dissociate our personal life from our church life, nor from our church associates, whether they are at home or abroad. Because once you become a member of a church, you add these people to your family. Don't mind that I harass a certain brother every Sunday when I come here, but he is my good, good friend. And not because I threatened David for common thing <laughs> in my place. It doesn't mean that he is not a dear uh, brother beloved. Let's say a little bit about the the personal relationship. This is chapter, this question six of the thing. This is a bit disjointed because I actually made this PowerPoint this morning. I have been struggling for the last month to bring together a PowerPoint that I thought was short enough. And uh, in despair this morning, I, I tried again. So, but what do we see in that city? We see Aquila and Priscilla in 2 verse 23 and in verse 25. You see that by divine providence, Remember that it's God and the Holy Spirit who directed the bringing of these people into that workplace. It's God and the Spirit that brings good teachers and believers into our chapel. They don't just come really nearly. I know that some of you may wonder what happened, how the world got here. But, 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 but bear with me, I may be telling you and the books may be So you brought these people. They care for him as a stranger. This is something that believers do. When you travel, you see it. It is a very important thing. It is a thing that floors you for people that don't know you. They care for you. And you really they do. Once they're believers, uh, they provide accommodation. They provide a way for him to support himself at the trade that they had in common. And this relationship of initially caring for strangers as they were introduced, he then, they then accompanied him when they left court. And then later in the chapter, we see that they had become so mature and knowledgeable that they were able to mentor Apollos, who was what we would call back home a heavy roller. You know, he was a heavy roller. The man could speak. He could teach. He knew the word. But he had some, he had some tweaking to do. He had some basics that he didn't know. And they taught him. They were able to teach him. They had the skill and the knowledge to do that. They were just practicing the precepts of 2 Timothy 2. 2. That should be 2 2. Perfectly. I want to say that God is going to use people in our lives also, even as we uh, uh, help others. And so it's important to foster good relations with other believers and encourage them, even as they also encourage us. And as we do so, it's important that I stay 
on the Father and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and not on persons according to the instruction in 1 Corinthians 3, 1, 7, which we won't read now. But there arose a problem, as you know, uh, in the church of Corinth because Apollos was so heavy. He, the boy could speak, but, and he was so popular that he had a following. And let's call a certain opportunity. And Paul had to stop. So, you know, so we have to keep the main thing. The main thing is not me, but Christ. That's what we try. That's a struggle. The devil is trying always to cause us to fear. So it's something we've got to work at. So we encourage each other as they encourage us. And then we see Silas and Timotheus bringing good news and funding from the churches at Philippi and in Macedonia. And when we read verse 5, we see that this caused Paul to be enabled to stop working at his trade and to go full time. That they were bringing good things. We don't hear that Silas and Timotheus do very much in chapter 18. Not much is said about them in chapter 18, except that they came back. But when they came back, they brought good news about what was happening at what I like to call the ideal church, the church at Thessalonica. Read first Thessalonians chapter 1. You see why? The church at Philippi apparently was a giving church. They gave. I suppose they were able to give because they had a rich lady there called Lady. Yes, they had a rich lady at Century of And then you see his interaction with Titius Justus of Gaius. Accommodating. He was in, in Romans 16.23 he's referred to as Zenos. That is my host and the host of the whole church. The church met at his house. And that's a funny thing, you know, when Paul left, he went next door to this man's house. In fact, the only thing that, that separated the synagogue from Gaius' house was the wall. That's so funny. That's one of the funny things in this chapter. There's some humor in scripture because God loves to laugh. That's why we love to laugh. He laughs too. He laughs at the jokers who have no respect for his word. Because he's going to have the last laugh. Except that's not going to be funny. But then, when Paul left the synagogue, he went next door. It is Justice who is described in First Corinthians 1, 14 as Daniel. And he's so described in uh, Romans 16, 23. And this is the same guy as no doubt in her John, see, his third John, he's just accommodating believers. He's accommodating the itinerant servants who went to Rome. So you see that the opposition of verse 5 and 6 resulted in the creation of a sterling acquisition of the church in Corinth in the form of one of its founders. The church at Corinth was founded in Gaius's house, just as Tithios. Guys, I used to condemn uh, Paul as a hard headmaster, but I will now have to give him a break and deal with a fellow called Larry Brown. I don't know if you ever met him, <laughs> Larry Brown. He gave us some questions to consider, and you boys have been running for these questions. But I, I decided I got to fight Larry to the ground, so I sent out the the uh, the handout yeah, yesterday. I hope you will read it. Those questions really. They really stimulated me. They really stimulated me. Uh, they stimulated me to, to look into the epistles 
to really appreciate and understand ah, I never see it like that before. Uh, I have to leave, I have to leave that so today, but how do you know who sourced an event and who opposed things and who did some of the people mention in uh, in uh, so I, I will answer the first of his questions. We are in talking about uh, the second missionary journey, and we are talking also about the beginning of the third missionary journey. Uh, back to the timeline, we read in verse 1, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, which was an important city, full of ice, and is only remembered today because there was a church there one time, and epistles were written to them. That, that, that city is gone. He arrived in Corinth from Athens alone around the fall of 50 AD, seemingly financially struck and not knowing what would befall him in this city. This is something that often happens to Christians when they go to different cities looking for work. You know, they go, you don't know anybody. You don't know if you're coming or if you're going. If you're sensible, you'll find a good local church. <laughs> That's the first thing you do. You go and find a local church. I remember when I went to St. Kitts, I went to the this market, and as I was coming up, I saw some boys by the ferry terminal with some red books. Right? That is redemption songs. Redemption songs are used, well, are used throughout the island in gospel hall. So I go up to these boys and say, yeah, your friend? And they say, yeah. I said, I'll be here for a week or two, and I can't find your church. Where's your church? And they directed me to where Olivet Gospel Hall was, and I turned up the next day and participated uh, until I <laughs> had to leave you. <clears throat> That's another story. When Paul came to Corinth, he was a dejected man, and in trembling and fear and weakness, in need of the Lord's help and benediction. This is a man who had been thrown into prison. He had been beaten up for the pile and so on. What's going to happen to me now? He That's what he's thinking. He left around the age of 50 after ministering there for a year and a half. We can say this confidently because there's a lot of archaeological uh, evidence that shows that Galileo, the proconsul mentioned in verse 12 to 17, uh, was appointed between January and July of 1852 at Claudius's uh, We are asked to give a map, so I will do a little review. If you like the Wizard of Oz, as my wife does, you will follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> but here, I want you to follow the red line. Is it? That's the red line. And then, this is the third mystery journey. We are not going to get into that. We leave that to Larry. He's much more qualified to deal with the third missionary journey. The second missionary journey, we just give a little review of what's happened. He first started with Lystra, then he went to Troas. That's where the Lord told him that he not going to go Then he went to Philippi, very beaten. And he met that journal, that, uh, that, uh, jailer that gave us that lovely verse that we memorized as children. What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus and thy house and I will be saved. And that's exactly what happened to us in chapter, in verse eight. And then he went down to Thessalonica. And he all ran up to Thessalonica. But those fellas followed what they were taught. We first Thessalonians chapter one, and you see that they are indeed an ideal church. 
And then he stopped in Berea. <laughs> we always talk about Berea. Berea. There are people who know the Bible talk about Berea because these are the people who went and checked the scriptures to see if what was said was so or not. And that's what you're supposed to do. Don't take the word of Vicar Brooks. Uh, 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 you know, I read scripture. Read scripture. I see a book. See, you know, have a grasp of the subject. Are you with me, friends? And then he went to the city with the, with the intellectuals at Athens. And now we come to chapter 18, which describes the last three stops. 18 months at Corinth and a pit stop at Ephesus. But two churches started. Boy, I wish I could go wrong and make pit stops in churches. I'm sure that all of us would love to. And note, he's accompanied by Aquila and Priscilla. They're not leaving Paul. Paul left them there. Never. Because why? They had imbibed the teaching that he had given them, and they were qualified to carry on the work that he had started at Ephesus. And God left him there, them there, so that they could teach Apollos, so Apollos could do what he did, as mentioned in verse 28. And then he went back to Antioch, by a roundabout where, which we just mentioned in a while. We don't want to finish this for a point neither, but I hope that sufficient what have been said, that would get you excited about reading the handouts. This is the picture that uh, Larry supplied and the places that he visited in the second century. This is the picture enlarging, but it doesn't give me the juice I want. Note that he left at the left-hand side, he left Centria, which is one of the two ports in Corinth, and he sailed across the Ephesus. We had his pit stop. And then he sailed 1,500 miles to Caesarea, which was the port in Palestine, which would give him access to both Jerusalem and for him to go home to Antioch. So he went across, he landed at Caesarea, and verse 22, we are told that he went up to Jerusalem, that is, he went uh, south to Jerusalem and up, because he always go up to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is at a higher, at a high elevation, so you always go up to Jerusalem, okay? So when you see that people going up to Jerusalem, that's what it means. And then from thence, he went back home to Syria and the That's why I include this picture, because it, it, tell, it shows Caesarea and Jerusalem. The letters, unfortunately, I, in this uh, PowerPoint, we haven't been able to give the full, the full treatment of Paul's letters and their importance, but you have the, you have the other. It, but we want to say that it was at this time that Paul wrote first and second Thessalonians. When Silas and Timothy brought back funds from the Macedonian church, there Paul wrote and he says to Thessalonians 3, 1, 2, so the second letter. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even at the case with you. He had he got good news about these people, and he wanted to be able to teach us where he was, how he was going, that others may grasp the word like the church of Tessalonica did, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. That is the prayer that all believers in this country shall be using today. Because there is a warfare against Christianity and the church. Not only here, but elsewhere. Huh? 
You don't even have to get chapter two of Genesis. You can stay in Genesis one and there's enough corruption. We no longer know what Genesis 1.27 means. He made him male and female, and that had not changed. That is some anatomy. As a physician, when you're examining a female, you note that they have five organs of structure which you must address, or you will end up in a lot of trouble. Those five organs alone, especially organs. I have been in a world around where a pontificator, he's no knighted. He raised his hand in a mask in somebody's abdomen and declared that it was a spleen. And I was a little medical student, can't tell him that. I think we tell him no. I said, you cannot get your hand above the spleen because the spleen is in the diaphragm. And this McGuffey talking now, slow water. You know, and you're not saying nothing for if you say anything, you feel yourself. But you understand what I'm saying? And we don't know that about men and women. We've got churches that don't know what a woman is. In this country, I got, and you got the same problem. Got the same thing, don't worry. We got this nonsense about global warming. When Ecclesiastes takes care that there are seasons of climate, seasons for global warming. There's global warming, why? Because the scientists know where all the fumaroles are all over the world and where all the volcanoes are that are erupting. It will get hot, friends, because God is in control. When I walk in my kitchen and I put something on the fire, I can control the temperature in that pot by adjusting a knob on my, my stove or if I take off the pot cover. You think that God can't do the same? You think that God cannot control the temperature in the world? If you think so, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. He is in control. They tell us nonsense about uh, carbon emissions. And insult my intelligence as a chemist. The only two reactions between carbon dioxide and water. One is to make hydrogen carbonate, which can dissociate with the hydrogen atoms and bicarbonate atoms and make salts. That's why the Dead Sea is so valuable to people who want to attack it here. Because they've got a lot of salts in the Dead Sea. But even the elephants know that. They've got places where the elephants go to get the salts that they need for their metabolism, the manganese and the magnesium that they can run the glycolic pathway and the elephant. Second Peter 3 tells us that the world, the world that we know arises out of the water. There was water and God You can go in the, you can go in the, uh, in the Pacific and you will see a tall stem not still today because they are underground volcanoes. Which has a efflux the lava, land comes up. Are you with me? They don't have people fool. And we got Christians, we got Christians listening to this nonsense. <laughs> David just looked at me, he thought he had to share my word. I can't speak bears in there. Well, I, I want you to understand what's going on. We need to understand. You don't even have to get the chance to light and water makes what? Carbohydrates. You know what we do with carbohydrates? That is food and trees. God knew that we were like plants and trees. Don't you like plants and trees? He's in control still. You know, we get through this, friends. I should stop worrying about everything. Yes, yes, put some things in front. Because I'm sure I've said enough. 
that uh, David Sam can teach him, right? Uh, this is not your line. This PowerPoint is from 12 or 15 years ago when we did apps here on Wednesday nights. That's why I chose chapter 18. So I did chapter 18 there. Why Moses spoke with the Paul? I thought, like, this is going to be easy walk over to me. But I, I made a mistake. I, I, I should not have come at all. But we, he saw his friends. And did you go through quickly? He saw his friends, right? Well, and Peter, Silas, and Timotheus, and the Philippians, who were sent money. You see, his folks, the people who opposed him in chapter, verse 5 and 6, when he did some good teaching of the word. We see his fruit, Titius, Justice, Gaius, Sosthenes, and Christus. Sosthenes is a very interesting fella. Sosthenes is the only fella I ever heard book that came in the kingdom by being teachers. Uh, suppose we were down to the straight things and evangelism, and we went and hold them, beat up people, they put us in jail. But when they beat Sosthenes, I think that what may have happened is that the believers there looked after Sosthenes' wounds and so on, and they realized that the love of God was shed abroad in the hearts of these people. And so Sosthenes made the only proper decision that he could make. He came to Christ, and he mentioned in First Corinthians chapter 1 as an associate of Paul. <laughs> and if you see his father, oh, you don't even get to talk about reasoning. Let's say a little bit about reasoning. Here we have this piece. In chapter 4, you see that he reasoned. He also reasoned in, in verse 19. He also reasoned, as I will tell you, in 19.8.10. And this word is translated different ways. Is Bayalagomai is translated disputed, uh, discussed in Acts 17 and, uh, disputed in 17, uh, and preached in, in, uh, 20. You see, it means that he, what Kim, uh, addressed this a couple of weeks ago, there was a back and forth in a discussion. And this is probably why he was so great. <clears throat> uh, if you will read the or if you read the handout, you will see a lot of the scriptures that are cited, but here's a nice one. It says, when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superior, superiority of speech or wisdom, proclaiming to you the destiny of God. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him to divide. That's what we teach here. If you stumble on this broadcast online, you can come here. That's what we teach. Christ and him. Let's go down to and finish with verse 19. Uh, which talks about how God revealed himself. Remember now Paul stands in Corinth and he is, he is worried and so on and so forth and God comes to him. In verse 1 and 3, he was sent there because that was a place for ministry. But now as he is fearing, God responded to his fear with a gentle Cool, brother. Cool. Cool. And a strong minded and sovereign promises. Let's get outlined. I always get outlines in my outline. So that the preachers can preach. And he gave strength from on high. At this time also, he gave him a promise for ministry, which is the Lord confirmed his peace. Be peace. Be at peace. And with you, he confirmed his presence. And with you, his protection. Nobody can trouble you. His purpose. I have much, many people in this city. And he confirmed his progress. And Psalm 91 tells us, the same thing. And we read, finally, you know, when Paul said, finally, brethren, 
He usually follows it by two more chapters. <laughs> I'm going to read one book or point, okay? He did not promise for protection from opposition. The promise was that he would be protected from physical harm and that his mission would be successful. Not that he wouldn't face any difficulties. The promise has that we don't face difficulties. In 1270, we are presenting the detail of, the, of another important event of political significance for the church. The Jews sought to get rid of Paul when the new church came to town. And they tried to declare Christianity, which was really part of Judaism, in the sense of the start of Judaism, and sought to have it declared as a religio illicita. A religious illicita, an illicit religion, but their tongue backfired because Galileo saw it as an internal religious squabble. And in this unprecedented and stark decision, he decided in Paul's favor and refused to rule against Christianity at this time. And he chose not to hear case. This landmark decision set an important precedent providing for Paul's protection while paving the way for the gospel promotion for the next 10 to 12 years until Nero came to the throne and reversed the decision. God is faithful in spite of apathetic government. So don't worry about it. When people talk to you, I don't want to hear about it. I am looking for the rapture of the church. That is the main thing at this time. Next thing on the agenda is happening soon. How we know that? Because we know what it teaches in Daniel 8, 9, 10, 11 about Antiochus Epiphanes and those who are like him. And they go Antiochus, Antiochus, and they're not Epiphanes. They're not Epiphanes. They're Epiphanes. This means they're mad. And they have them all over the world. We have a big fat woman in Barbados who is telling us that we shouldn't use sugar and we shouldn't use this and we shouldn't use that because she don't know about it. So don't worry about governments and hostile enemies. See the faithfulness of God and uh, his divine intervention because he keeps his promise. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of sharing the word today and helping me to overcome all the problems that I've been having with our great enemy. Thank you for your help today. We hope that this world would have been a blessing to all those. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and we ask for a beloved thing to come and 